Behind every bit of mom wisdom is a story. A story of a real mom and real kids just trying to love each other well. Whether you're cozied up on the couch with a mug of coffee, pulling out of car line and heading to work, or out for a walk, you're welcome to join us as we share stories and laugh, learn, and grow together. It's the I'm Mom Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the I'm Mom Podcast. I'm Abby, I'm with Chloe and Susan and Megan once again. This week's episode is being told by Susan and Megan because it was a family affair and the episode is called The Sky is Falling, How to Avoid Parenting Out of Fear. This isn't like a chicken little story. This is like literally... (laughs) We were falling falling. out of the sky. (laughs) Okay, so here's the story. And I'm going to preface this by saying I don't always get these feelings. I'm not living on the edge all the time with these feelings of something's going to happen or whatever. But in this case, uh, my husband had booked a trip to uh, Bahamas and he had, we were staying at a friend's house that they were lending us and he had asked them for, you know, just recommendations on what to fly over there. And they had recommended this little airline that flew out of um, Palm Beach called Vintage air. See? <laughs> so, red flag number one. Red flag number one. Vintage so, is great for like furniture, but yeah, not for not a for vehicle. So, n- normally I'd be really excited. We got a free house, and you know, with a lot of kids, that was always a bonus versus hotel rooms. But I just didn't, I was not excited about this trip. And I don't know why. I really didn't even know the airline name at that point. So, he was taking care of the whole trip. I'm going to take care of it. It's going to be great. But I was in Target one day, and I just had this nagging feeling I did not want to go on this trip. And I couldn't figure out why. It was the summer. We didn't have anything else to do, so there was no reason. But it was in Target. I just felt like it was not going to go well. It was going to be unsafe. I had fear about it. And I was hanging over me like a cloud. And I literally was in Target passing that dollar section in the beginning. And they had this, like, ski rope, you know, that kind of... um, what kind of, what is that? It's like a of? paracord? Yeah, 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 a... yeah. But it was the thick kind, you know, yeah. like for skiing. And I thought, uh, something's going to happen on that plane. Mm-mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy that rope and I'm going to be like, I had read once about this missionary who literally, they went down and they he tied all his children to him. And I said, Megan is captain of the swim team. I'm gonna, She's going to be the lead swimmer. And I'm going to hook us all up. And I'm chastising myself going, what the heck are you buying? Do you, I can, wait, wait. But in a, I'm pretty sure her swim experience was that she was like this team spirit. Yeah. Wasn't she? <laughs> she still so went she's to gonna, swim. She's going to cheer day. you guys on. As she she was, you guys got it. <laughs> Man, I'm the speed. She had the muscle. If anyone is a, a swimmer out there, I swam the 500 because I had endurance, not there you speed. Go. So okay. she would have been okay. a key player. All right, carry thinking, on. Sorry. I was thinking right. Except for the fact that I was having a panic attack. Exactly. So we're getting um, ahead of ourselves. I'm chastising myself for being an idiot and giving in to buying this rope, but you know, kind of rationalizing, I could use it to tie twigs, you know, for the lawn man or whatever. Who knows? Um, but I did have a carry on and I did put it in my bag for the trip. And I laughed at myself the whole way, of course, telling no one because they would laugh at me. But the whole way over driving from Tampa across the state to Palm Beach, it was pouring and I was silent. And one of my kids from the way back of the van at one point said, mom, why are you so quiet? I said, oh, I don't know. I was just thinking. But I had this feeling like it was gripping me. Very unusual for me. I don't have a lot of anxiety gripping me. And I'm just like, chastising myself that like you're an idiot shake it off shake it off we get to the airport and they delay us and delay us and delay us because of course we are going up in a prop plane that has seven seats Mm -mm. yes 
That means just our family and one other man. Well, and let me just say seats is a very loose term. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I am not kidding when I say we were sitting on cushioned stools. There was like no back. There was hardly any seatbelts. There was no air conditioning. Like what year was my dad is the cheapest man on the planet. The fact that he booked vintage air. It is exactly how it sounds. What? what, How long ago is this? Oh, I was 17. So it was 13, 13, 14 years. Okay. All right. But no, it had air conditioning. The problem was it was just an old plane, vintage air. So <laughs> it did not have so air. So they delay us, bullets. delay us. I'm silent. I'm stewing, which again, um, my kids are noticing because I'm rarely silent. And then finally he goes, oh, there's the pilot comes out, elderly man, super nice. And he goes, there's a crack in the clouds. We're going to go for it. Gets us on, crack closes. We get off again. So it, this is a lot of delays still pouring. Comes out again. Let's go for it. We get on the plane. He can't turn the air on until we're up in the air. You know, so it was hot. It is hard to see. We go up. Now, it's only a 45-minute trip, people. It is not far from Tampa Mm-mm. to the Bahamas. So we are 20-something minutes into our trip, and I am chastising myself again. You idiot. Everything's fine. We're above the cloud now. Things are fine. We're going to get there. It's going to be great. And all of a sudden, out the right side, I was on the right side, there's a seat on either side of the aisle. It's only seven seats. Mm-hmm. And, and the one other passenger in the back that wasn't part of our family. And Mark is sitting in front of me. My heart is racing. Yeah, right I now. know. Like Mark is sitting, and out the side of my window, I see fire, Mm-mm. fire. And all of a sudden, the plane lurches, and we can see the pilot. You know, they're just sitting right in front of us, the pilot and co-pilot in front of us. And they start pushing buttons. Mark turns around. So my my husband has a pilot's license. He hasn't flown in years, but he has his license. He turns around, looks at me like this, and I give him the look like this is happening, and I am like. Yes, I am so happy that I am was not losing my mind that I almost I literally had no fear at that point. I was like, yes, we are all going down together as a family or we are all going to live. And I have my rope. This is a true Enneagram 7 who yes, turns yes. a plane crash into a, she <laughs> reframed it to make and it like this, at this point, an exciting moment. The water is in front of us. We are going down. So the plane has been, you know, sailing up, up, up in the happy clouds and the water is approaching. And Dave, I, Megan, what are you saying at this point? Yeah, what's what going you, on with you? Oh, I'll tell you what's well, going on. Yeah. So I very vividly remember the plane like nose diving toward the water and looking okay this is also another feature of the plane no cockpit door so i'm them. looking no, that's out you could see them the front of the of the plane at the water and i was like oh my gosh i'm 17 my life is over oh. this is it like wow. i look out the window engines on fire and we're like kind of rocking back and forth cuz it's only one engine that's out so we're like still going on one engine and this the the pilot was vintage i mean he said something to the effect of i flew planes in world war ii so i know how to fly a plane on one engine and i just remember thinking like what planet am i on right now that this is going on like not funny but oh my gosh megan went into a panic I started panicking and I'm looking around and like one of my sisters is like still reading her stupid Hannah book. Was I'm reading. Like, she didn't even know. I'm like, I'm like, are you on drugs? Like, what is going on right now? Like, she's just calmly sitting there just reading her book and I'm full blown hyperventilating just like what is going on. And so 
I I don't know. It was it, there was one other guy. I remember this. I don't know if you remember this, mom, but there was one other guy on the plane who had like a little dog, dog. with him. <laughs> dog. But, they, but he was the only. It was like our family and him. I don't know why. Wow. That was like no the only people left. on the plane. Um, <laughs> it was an angel. And yeah, I mean, you can tell the rest of the story, but I, I mean, I was just like full blown. Well, what you have to know about Hannah life is, over. is Hannah's first years were lived in Russia and her first flight was with us on Krasnoyarsk air. Ooh, from, that sounds like you were speaking backwards. No, so yeah, from, from Krasnoyarsk to Moscow, which is another flying story that I can go into that I will never repeat again. But long story short is the guy is fighting to keep us up and he's arguing with Palm Beach because he is turning this plane around. He was not going to land this plane in the Bahamas where, of well, course, there's his, no emergency stuff. Mm, well, yeah. to his credit, he was like, I don't know what kind of medical care there is at this yeah. tiny yeah. airport in the Bahamas. That's, I'm not doing that. And I'm turning it back around, which I was like, thank yeah. God. Like, But as a passenger, you don't want to think about yourself needing medical no, no, care no, but or he's your arguing, children. Mm. He's arguing with the control tower because we were, I think, over the halfway mark. And he said, I repeat, I am coming around. And he just kept yelling. At he was very firm. But he was like, we are coming around. So he did get the plane turned around. And I see the beach ahead of us. And I am stoked because I know Megan can make it. Of course, then I look at <laughs> Megan and she's in panic mode. Yeah. And I'm like, darn, who's going to be Who's going to lead the swim team? <laughs> who's going to lead the swim team? Um, and then he starts arguing with him. I repeat, I'm coming in. And I can't remember the word he said. But what happened was they wanted us to come around and come in the appropriate way. And he knew we wouldn't make it. So they had the emergency team at the wrong end. Oh and goodness. he went in backwards. But the guy, he knew what he was doing. Nice. And you could tell he had flown some stuff because he landed that thing without... I mean, it was rough. Don't get me wrong. He had actually but flown in World War II. Greatest had, generation. He had, he had. The funny thing is he came out. So we get off the plane and we're all kind of shocked. We're all in culture shock, but thankful to be on the ground. And um, we're just like, I'm like, yeah. we're all like silent. It's standing now in this or tiny I'd airport. I'd be kneeling and praying. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And he comes out. Well, I think I can have another plane ready in an hour. Oh, and we can get I'm there good. by dark. <laughs> I looked at my husband. I said, book us out of Fort Lauderdale. We can do Delta. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Oh, my goodness. No, I was so furious because my parents, we just survived this like life altering experience. And my parents are talking about what flight we're going to get on the next day. And I'm like, over my dead body, am I getting on another I will plane walk back in the morning? She and they're was like, my dad's like, and my dad's like, my dad's like, nope, you're getting on the plane because if you don't get on, you'll never fly again in your life. Wow. He's like, you got to get back on the horse. And That's I'm like, true. nope, nope. We got nope. this house booked. It was free. So we're staying. <laughs> wow. So how do you, Susan, do you like find yourself like, Feeling any of these inklings and then wondering, should I listen to it? Should I not listen yes. to it? Like overthinking it now? I do. So the uh, struggle is, yes, is this instinct or mm -hmm. is this just fear? And um, and I do go through a process now. It can't just be impulsive reaction. Mm -hmm. um, I pray about it. I wait for days. I read the word. And there have been situations like when my daughter Emily was diagnosed with Addison's, it was because I pushed it. Mm -hmm. I knew in my gut something was wrong. Now, I have a really sweet pediatrician who knows me well and knows that I don't exaggerate. And so he said, I'll do the test. But Susan, I have a never had a child with Addison's and I've had served over 100,000 kids. He's my age, though. And she did have it. 
But um, anyway, I think you have to put yourself through a filter. Mm -hmm. You can't allow it to consume you. You can't, but you can't ignore it either. I know. I I just feel like God gives moms Mm -hmm. instincts about their kids. I think it depends on the person too, because I know that I tend to like have, I'll end up thinking about something. I'll dwell on something and just kind of spiral, spiral around it a lot. I know one day I dropped my kids off at school and it was not around any time that there was an incident at school. I mean, we had been like a year, even maybe two years since anything like that had happened. Thank God. And, but I just had this feeling in my gut that I, I just thought, gosh, what if something happens? And that feeling just kind of settled in. And it was a Monday because I came in for our little Devo time and we prayed together at work and I cried in my small group. I was like, I dropped my kids off and I just don't have a good feeling about the day. And so my group prayed for my boys and everything was fine. But like, it depends on your personality. And if you're able to like bring yourself out of it, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and I could not, I could yeah. not get myself out of it that day. It was just the worst yeah. feeling. Megan, um, as a new mom times two, do you feel like being with newborns has been it, it, like a, it ratcheted it up a little bit for you? Definitely. Cause I'm used to my oldest son is a three-year-old. So I'm very used to him being able to communicate for the most part and tell me like what he wants or what he needs or what's wrong or what hurts. So having a newborn again, they're just so fragile and um, he was two weeks early. So he was in the NICU for about 24 hours just because he was having a little bit of breathing trouble. Fortunately, it, it wasn't serious and he wasn't in there very long, but still seeing him connected to all those cords and having a tube down his throat and everything. I just can't, I feel for all the moms whose kids have to be in there even longer because it's just so scary to see. And then I was paranoid after every little breathing noise he made, which, you know, newborns make so many sounds. I was afraid he wasn't breathing. And I even asked the doctor, I was like, you know, should I get one of those monitors that monitors their breathing like the outlet or whatever? And the doctor looked at me and was like, don't do it. Mm -hmm. It's going to drive you nuts. Mm -hmm. Like you have to learn to you know, let him do it on his own. She's like, it's just going to paranoia you even more. So don't do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like he, his face was a little bit red the other day and he, they're just so fragile. It's, it's, it's definitely scary. Um, and like I said, they can't communicate. So, so what do you guys think are the things that keep moms up at night? Like what are the things that they're the most anxious about? And Chloe, I mean, I know you spend a lot of time on social media and reading what moms are saying. Do you, like, do you get a vibe about it or a sense? Well, I, yeah, and I was going to ask because I'm sure it's different for moms of different ages. But like, I think I see a lot of just worry about the future, worry about kids' safety, mm-hmm. um, whether that be at school or with their friends, um, going off to college, all sorts of stuff. So, I think safety at every age. Mm-hmm. It's totally different types of safety. Yeah. But it's Yeah, just yesterday I was listening to my boys playing in the pool. I was working um, from my couch, which, you know, there's a door between us, but I can see them. And, you know, it's only 20 feet at the most. And I was listening to them playing and trying to listen to hear if one of them was drowning. And like, and I had to tell myself, if one of them's drowning, the other one's going to say something. <laughs> Probably, yeah. right? I mean, someone <laughs> would speak up. Um, or like, I'm listening for one of them playing and being too rough and hitting their head. You know, it's like, like you said, no matter what their age is, I, I don't listen like Megan does. I don't like look at their chest to see if they're breathing at night. night. And, you know, I don't do that anymore. But now it's 
are they roughhousing too much mm-hmm. or are they, you know, one of these things about just being too physical or whatever that gets me nervous. We actually have an article, the five um, five areas of mom anxiety. And I think all these are 100% true. Anxiety about your child's performance. Um, that's for me, it's grades when it comes to that yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And then your kids get into sports and, and it's maybe not ang- anxiety that they perform well to it's anxiety for them because mm-hmm. they want to perform well. Like I would be like, oh, yeah. you know, they want to make the team, whether it's, you know, for chorus or something else. You, you have secondhand you just, anxiety. Yeah, you do because they want it so bad and yeah. you don't want them to be disappointed and they act like life is over. If yeah. Another one is anxiety about your child's health. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I think that's just uh, when you love someone, yeah. you know, whether it's your spouse or your yeah. child, you worry about their health. Um, anxiety about the future, mm. what you were saying. Um, I was just thinking about this today, like just really kind of doubling down on praying for my son's future wives, you know, mm. yeah. Um, just because that's just so huge. You know, the person that they choose to spend their life with, um, you know, really even more important than if they get into the right college or mm. if they, yeah. you know, make it into their, the profession that they're meant to be in Yeah. Um, or their physical safety, mm-hmm. you know hitting your head on the pool deck (laughs) and then their happiness. I don't know if I'm anxious about their happiness. Do you think that that one? I don't think about it as much. Although when you get in the older years, like middle school and high school, and if they don't find the right friends and then going to school becomes just torture for them or Mm -hmm. they get very upset about it. um, Then you do pray for their friendships Mm -hmm. and that is joy and feeling like they fit in. Um, so it's maybe not happiness is the right word, but that they that they find fulfillment in life too that keeps them interested. Yeah. I think that one of the more like 21st century anxieties is, you know, am I parenting them like too much the way the culture is telling me to parent them? You know, mm-hmm. am I letting them spend too much time in front of screens? Am yeah. I um, letting the world tell me how to raise my kids or am I really sticking to my own values and morals and you know I think that that scares me a little bit yeah I always prayed for my kids Luke 252 which is you know and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man and I thought okay if it was good enough for Jesus Mm. (laughs) then that's really all if that's all God said about his childhood years because there's not much said about Jesus's childhood years then that must be the most important thing and so I would always think okay just pray my kids no matter what I do or no matter what the year they have a bad teacher or the year they're super sick and they can't go to school a lot or whatever, just that they would grow in wisdom, which, you know, is not just smart, but that they would be wise in their choices. Mm -hmm. In stature, of course, their physical health, that they'd be healthy and that they would find favor with God first and then with man, because that gets back to, you know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and to love your neighbor as yourself. So if they find favor with God and then favor with man, then they're going to live a mm-hmm. life at whatever level God mm-hmm. has given them the gifts to live. Yeah. Right. Do you think that, um, well, here's a question. How do we avoid passing our fears on to our kids? You know, mm-hmm. if we are a little bit nervous as, as moms or we do pick up on things to be a little bit nervous about, how do you not pass those fears on to your kids? Chloe, didn't you mention that your mom had some issues with fear? Yeah, my mom has really struggled with anxiety over driving. And she often would say things to me, be careful, be careful. 
you know, I live in Tampa. I drive in traffic all the time and I've had to kind of come to the place where I'm like, you know, I understand you have fears about driving. I don't. I'm, mm-hmm. I love driving. Like, I don't get to drive that much because we work from home part time. So <laughs> I actually don't mind it. Um, so, yeah, I think. But that's not something that we've really had to navigate until my relationship with her as an adult. So I have a question, too, for you, Susan, about fear, mm-hmm. um, because I think sometimes fear and anxiety prompt us to make decisions with urgency. Mm-hmm. And one thing you said that has helped you is you take time to pray. You take time to read the scripture, uh, scriptures. So how do you fight the urge to act out of anxiety and fear? Because you might have these urgency of like, I've got to do something immediately or something bad is going to happen. You know, my sons are going to school and I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. I've got to pull them out of school. How do you fight that urgency? Um, a couple things. I've mentioned Jody Burnt's books before, but she has praying the scriptures for your children. If I'm like overcome with fear, she has chapters pretty much on every kind of fear. And then all these scriptures, you can pray for that. I'll pray for it. So I wait for that piece. A, if I'm not supposed to act, God, give me a piece about this. I will talk to my husband about it. Mm. I will say, okay, I have that twisted feeling. That's what Mm -hmm. I call it. I feel twisted. Like I can't sort this. It's agitating me. And so then I'll ask his opinion about it and he'll make me think. He'll ask me questions. Mm. And then he'll say, well, you know what? If this feeling doesn't go away, we're going to act on it. We're going to do something about it. So, um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll pull a friend in. Like if it's something about school, I'll say, this is what I'm observing my child. You're... I had really good friends, you know, who have kids the same age. Are you seeing this in your child, you know? Um, So different things, but I have acted at times. You know, there have been times when I acted and maybe nothing happened. And I thought, well, okay, God, I trust that, you know what, if I did this, nothing was harmed either. Hmm. And sometimes we don't know what's going on. Um, We can't see with what steps we take if something else would have taken. Mm-hmm. I think you have to trust, am I overreacting am, or am I being rational? And and doing um, the next logical step, right, doing the next best right. step, you know, not getting too far ahead of yourself and just saying, all right, if I do this next thing and then I'll know where to go from there. And having someone like your husband or a counselor or something play it out for you. Okay, well, really, truly, if you don't do this, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually exactly what um, we just had an article, the five ways to keep mom fear at bay. And that's the very first suggestion that our writer, Mary Jo, wrote. She said, what's the worst thing that could happen and how likely is it that it will happen? And you think that imagining the worst possible thing would be a bad thing, but it actually kind of is okay to let your mind go there if working out game plans and solving crises before they happen, um, if that's if that enables you to do it. And most of the time you can tell yourself, that's not going to happen. Right. That worst case scenario is not going to happen. Yeah. I remember, Megan, for you, you had two years with the same math teacher and she was like giving you so much anxiety. And I so much wanted to do. Do you remember that, Megan? Yeah, but that sounds so silly. <laughs> no, no, no. But it was. It was. She was loading on homework like Megan would be doing homework at 11 o'clock at night in middle school. And I remember thinking, I just want to pull her out of that class, you know. Um, but you persevered. And, you know, you got through it. And I think you learned. And now I hate math. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the worst that can happen. Yeah. yeah. I think you hated math anyway. <laughs> you know, kind of shifting into ways to manage the fear. Um, 
one of the things that I do is I learned, I think education and, and understanding fear and understanding how your brain works and just educating yourself in general about things helps you deal with them. I learned that, you know, our brains go into a different mode at night, right? And that's why they tell you if you wake up from a dream or you wake up, you might have a really creative thought Mm -hmm. and write it down because then when you come around in the morning, you're probably not going to remember it. And so write it down because your brain's doing amazing Mm -hmm. things while you sleep. And so when you're in that halfway mode, crazy things can happen. Um, And I, and the same goes for fear. So I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and my brain starts to just have all these crazy, scary thoughts. And mm. I could, if I let myself, I could lay awake for hours just worrying about things. And so I tell myself, Abby, you know your brain is doing this thing. You know that your brain is in a different yeah. like gear right now. And so don't allow yourself to do that. Mm-hmm. Don't take away your sleep mm-hmm. and don't, you know, fill yourself with worry because your brain is doing weird things right now. So, I mean, that has really, really helped me. So if, if you wake up in the middle of the night and worry, tell yourself my brain's mm-hmm. not working the right way right now. And when we go to that fear side of the brain, it's fight or flight. And yeah. then we don't make good decisions. And remember, intuition, that God-given ability for us to know something about our child before it's actually totally there can be good too. So Mm -hmm. learn to recognize that and realize when, gosh, I knew that was going to happen. I knew, I knew they would be good at that. I knew this would be a good step for them. Recognize the good too. And then you can learn, you can start to discern between, okay, where is God kind of giving me a window into my child's heart, soul, ability, future that I need to just ponder and pray about it. it can be good or bad, mm-hmm. but it, it helps either way. Yep. And I think also, even if there is something that you're worried about for your child, I think that um, believing that your child was not created at this time for as an accident, mm-hmm. you know, they were created right now for a reason. And I, I just read something like that on, um, I don't know, somebody posted it, but it was basically like, you know, don't feel sorry or fear for your kids because of the world that they're growing mm-hmm. up in. Um, you know, this is not the way the world used to be. And my kids have to grow up in this world. Don't make that, you know, a a point of sorrow because God created them and called them for this moment that they're in. It's not a coincidence or an accident. And every person in history has been placed in the time that they were placed in because of God's plan. And so we can't be scared for our children, but be honored that God chose us to parent them, uh, you know, as they're facing the challenges in their lives. So what fears do you struggle with the most? And what's something that you want to start doing to manage your mom fears? And if you've ever been in a weird plane situation, flash crash, like Susan and Megan, tell us about it. We want to hear about it. Um, There's a link in the show notes. That's also where you can find all the articles that we talked about in today's episode. Thanks for listening. The iMom podcast is hosted and produced by Abby Watts, along with Susan Merrill, Megan Tigner, and Chloe Blumenthal. Edited by Isaiah Gunther. 